If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down everything in a pretty loaded card coming up here on Fight Night on Saturday night. Tarzukian against Gamrod. And right now, Tarzukian, we're seeing here a solid minus 260 favorite that we're going to break down here. Uh, and that's what DraftKings has. We're going to break that down with Reed Kuhn, Kevin Ioli, Jordan Sherwood, and Britton Hess right here on First Strike today. So without further ado, let's get to the man who breaks this down, down by the numbers and does it better than anybody in the business. He is Reed Kuhn. He is the author of Fightnomics. And of course, you can follow him on Twitter at the same handle. Reed, great to have you back in the program, my friend. Let's talk about what your models have shown for this fight card because I'm seeing a little bit of the money this week come in on Gamrot where it feels like maybe he's just a little bit uh, undervalued here as over a $2 dog. What are the numbers showing you? Yeah, I like how you describe that. This is an undervalued situation. Uh, if you're picking Gamrot, you're not necessarily picking him to win straight up. You're saying he should not be a more than two to one underdog here. And that's what I see when I look at these numbers. It's back and forth. It's rare, first of all, to have two very successful grapplers going at it. You have two very eager wrestlers. They attempt a lot of takedowns. So I don't know what's going to happen if they actually take this to the mat. Um, both guys are game there. So what happens if they stand up and bang? You've got very different styles here. And so Sarukian is going to be the very high-paced um, pressure striker, whereas Gamrot likes to hang back, use a low pace, big counters. He's very accurate with his power hand, and arguably he has more power. Now we have limited data on their knockdown rates. Uh, but that's what we're working with, and that's an interesting story. You know, we saw it with uh, Josh Emmett versus Calvin Qatar. You know, Calvin Cater, he, he jabbed Josh Emmett every round, but the judges were scoring damage and bigger punches. And that could be what happens here. That's the scenario, I think. Um, and honestly, I, I think it's going to take a while to develop, but I'm going to go underdog. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up the Cater fight against Emmett because I was on the wrong side of that decision. I had Calvin Cater uh, in that main event a week ago. And, and that is something, again, that we, we keep telling everybody here each and every week on First Strike. You do have to factor that into your handicap if it does go to the judges' decisions because right now they are scoring things differently in MMA than they have in the past. It's a new precedent, uh, certainly in the UFC. So let's see how that, that does if it does go to the judges' scorecards. But when I look at your models in this main event, you might think that the under here, we might get a finish and it might not go to the judges' cards. And right now the under, uh, pretty good value here for four and a half rounds if you do like the under. 
Yeah, five rounds is a long time to work. Lightweight, you know, they're right in the middle there. Historical averages, roughly 50-50. Half of all fights go inside the distance. And you get the two bonus rounds here. Um, these are two ferocious fighters. I, I like that. Uh, I also like the like counter narrative of two wrestlers. Obviously, this is going to go to the cards. Um, so therefore, there's some value on the under because they both do hit hard. They both could find their way into a nice um, dominant position on the ground. And then you've also got some submission attempts from Gamrot. So there's a lot of different angles here. I would go the under just because I think it's more valued. Same as the side. I think the value is on the underdog. You know, my father taught me a long time ago, Reed, never bet with your heart, always bet with your head. So I need your help in the co-main event. Because Neil Magny is a guy that I root for. I love to, to back Neil Magny because normally he's a dog and he's cashed a lot of tickets for me in the past. What are the numbers showing, though, here? Because, look, plus 330 for Neil Magny. My eyes light up. But is this false gold? Do you think that uh, Rav, Rachmanov here at 15-0 is the rightful over $4 favorite? Yeah, I, listen, I have bet on Magny a lot of times. I love it when he's an underdog. I love forcing that over and getting even the decision plus money. Um, so I have been there right with you. Neil Magny was underrated for a very long time. Uh, now he's pushing 35. He's now starting to face some sharks. You know, some, these are some up-and-coming talent that, that look pretty bad. And uh, Shavlak Rachmanov, right there. Look at his stats. He has ridiculous stand-up striking um, it did not take him long to score his first knock, knockdown. Granted, we're working with limited data here, but so far his striking statistics just dominate those of Neil Magny. And so if they are at range, and normally Neil Magny is enjoying a huge reach advantage at welterweight, not as much in this case. Rachmanov is actually pretty lengthy, 77-inch reach. So then you got to go to the ground game. Is, you know, is Magny going to roll over someone, use his wrestling? I don't think that's the case here. So honestly, I, I'm on the side of the favorite. I think he's a justifiable favorite. There's not a lot of value here, but I think I would go for a finish. And that way you're going to get more even value from the favorite. And there you go to the, uh, to if you think there's going to be a finish here under two and a half rounds uh, right now, I got to lay a little bit of juice here, but uh, I can understand that rationale as well. And certainly the numbers there to support it. Let's uh, talk about Tiago Moises a little bit uh, in his fight coming up here, because I'm looking at your models here and again, it's a sizable favorite, uh, but the win percentage says, according to your, your numbers, that he's, he should be that big of a favorite. Yeah, Tiago Moises is a weird one. Um, I've backed him as a big underdog, and he's come through. I backed him as a mild underdog and just was not impressed with the performance I saw. I mean, I, I say that obviously tongue-in-cheek. These guys are the best <laughs> in the business. Um, but Moises has been up and down. He's been a little inconsistent. And when you look at him on paper, the numbers don't look amazing, but I do think he has been grinding it out with pretty solid talent. You know, we, we talked about the Islam Makashev matchup a long time ago. He was like a five to one favorite. And in the first few minutes of that round, people were like, whoa, Tiago Moises is actually hanging as a mm -hmm. five to one dog. Now, he obviously didn't win that fight, but he, he hung in there for several rounds. So he is a grinder um, and he has submissions. He is going to go for submissions. He's facing a willing wrestler in Christos Giagos. That guy wants to go to the ground usually. I don't know if that's a great idea against Thiago Moises. Uh, he is going to go for submissions. He's pretty slippery in transition. So even if they end up on the cage or in a transition, I think he scrambles around and finds a choke. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Um, so I'm willing to lay some juice on, on Moises. And again, it feels like last week was the week in Texas where we had all these finishes. But you think we, so far in these first three fights that you've given me, you think all of them might be, be stoppages according to the numbers, correct? 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm going unders on these three so far. Um, that's unusual for me. I think uh, just we have two different approaches to these things in terms of picking a side versus picking a total. Uh, and I think my logic on the totals is more like counter narrative. It's just saying everybody sees finishes or finishing potential and they immediately leap to a conclusion. We know from watching MMA, mm -hmm. you're expecting a burn burner and you turn into a staring match. Um, <laughs> there is all sorts of scenarios that can play out here. But in this one, uh, people are expecting a grappling and a grinder. I think Moises could surprise people with the submission. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. We, we never expect the unexpected, certainly in mixed martial arts. Let's talk about Boob, Boom Kelleher uh, back in there against Mario Bautista in this one. Kelleher right now, solid dog. I'm seeing about plus $1.50 here at DraftKings. What are the numbers showing you on Bautista against Brian? Yeah, I think this is going to be closer than uh, just a, a general favorite versus dog here. I think it's probably going to go the distance. It's going to be close. And while I lean with Bodista, uh, I'm not enough to lay any juice there. So that's not a side I'm going to be backing. Instead, I'm going to take the over. And I think you can get a pretty decent price on the over. You know, it's going to decision at practically even money. Um, so even, you know, maybe minus 120 at over 2.5. Regardless, I would rather go for the total on this one than the side. I think it's going to be a very even matchup. You know, if you do think it's going to go the distance, and I know you're not going to give out an official pick here because the numbers don't dictate it here, but if you like Boom Kelleher by decision, that really gets juicy at plus 450. If you like Bautista by decision, uh, plus 165. So again, uh, your model showing that the fight to go the distance here minus $1.10, that's probably the best way to play it since maybe the, the, the side is a little bit too close to call. Yeah, especially since Kelleher has been fighting at featherweight off and on. Um, so this is a situation where someone is coming down to a weight class where in theory you should sort of round up, you know, on their potential, mm -hmm. round up their numbers and say, well, he was facing bigger competition with, to get these stats. So maybe they're deflated. Um, so that's even more reason to expect, you know, Kelleher, Kelleher could pull off a decision there. Uh, but you're right. Don't want to take a formal position. I'm just going to say it's going to go the over. Talking with Reed Kuhn again. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Fightnomics. Let's talk about how Hyvian uh, uh, Paiva against Sergey Morozov here. And uh, Julian right now is plus a dollar thirty-five for the dog in Paiva. Morozov, I'm seeing about minus a dollar fifty-five here. Is Paiva a live dog from what the numbers show? No, I think Morozov, um, again, limited sample size. He's another one of the many fighters on this card where they're kind of brand new to even being able to look at the stats. Uh, but so far has looked pretty, pretty good. Um, he, both guys have been knocked down multiple times. Paiva, though, has the much worse head strike defense, and that's a big red flag. Um, Morozov has been very accurate with his strikes. He's also been a very eager wrestler and has outperformed Paiva on the ground. So both sides tell me I'm leaning towards Morozov as the favorite, probably enough to support him as the favorite. Um, but stylistically, I'm, I'm still waiting to see a little bit more out of these new guys and see what they really show me. Uh, once they enter the cage. Yeah, absolutely. You, that's what you do. You get the all the data you can get on these guys. So a little bit younger fighter here in Paiva here, 26 years of age, More uh, certainly more info there on Morozov here at 33. I do want to get to another fight uh, if we have a little bit of time. Josh uh, Parisian is going to take on Alan Baldo. And right now, Baldo minus $1.15, and uh, Parisian is minus $1.05. Pretty, pretty close here in the handicap number. What do you see from the numbers? Um, yeah, again, these are actually two guys who are brand new, so not a whole lot to to make a conclusion from in the numbers. Um, but I am going to be backing uh, Bordeaux, I think. So that's that's bettable, I think, at the oh, sorry, excuse me, <laughs> Josh Parisian. Jeez. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, new guys always confuse me, um, but <laughs> it's basically even money. So I, I think we're going to learn a lot with this fight. Very even betting line, justifiably so. I'm going to lean and take the plus money. It's just a little bit of plus money, 105 or so for Josh Parisian. Um, but the win probability for me is a little bit, is, is more than 50% there. So that's a playable fight by me. Really don't know enough about these guys, but I'm going to sit back and collect some data. All right. Uh, good stuff, as always. I only have about 30 seconds to go, and it's something that I'm just curious about as we look ahead to the Trilogy fight very quickly uh, next week. When you run those numbers on Max Holloway and Alexander Volkov, do you take into the other opponents, or really does the data just show for those two fights that they had between each other? I'm taking it all into effect, but we're heavily weighted towards the more recent fights. Can't wait to get there as well. Reed, really appreciate the time and the information. As always, when we come back, Kevin Ioli is going to join the program right here. First Strike on Visa in the Sports Betting Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more ways than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and futures for every MMA event. Eligible restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for the full terms and conditions. Back here on First Strike, a pleasure to have Kevin Ioli rejoin the program once again this week on First Strike. And Kevin, you know, you've been around the fight game for a long time like I have, and I know last week I saw you tweeting uh, about the main event, certainly with Calvin Cater against Josh Emmett. Before we look ahead to this week's cards, what do you make of the judging in MMA? Because I know in boxing for years, it's always been a bit of consternation. I know this is a new directive now in, in the UFC here where maybe the, the damage, they're trying to score more than they are the points. So if you're a K- Calvin Cater backer like I was, I felt like I was on the wrong end of a tough decision. But then again, split decisions are tough to figure out. How do you feel the scoring is going so far in new MMA? Well, I think that, you know, they're, the judging is better than it's ever been. Is it perfect? No. You know, I mean, I think that they they have a lot to improve, but I think it's getting better than it's been. And a lot of fans don't want to hear that, but that that is the absolute truth. And the thing is, I think what people don't realize is they have to read the scoring criteria. And MMA is an offensive sport. And, and I'll go to, I think it was UFC 274, when Rose Namajunas lost to... Um, 
her title to Carla Esparza. Mm -hmm. And Dave, she made a crazy statement afterwards. She goes, I guess I don't get credit for defense. If you read the scoring criteria, defense is not part of it. <laughs> so you do not get credit for defense in MMA. It says it's an offensive sport. And so, you know, fighters, the credit you get for defense is, hey, you're not getting beaten up. And so you still have the ability to deliver punishment to your opponent. So I think it's better, even though, you know, we, we have our misses here and there. But I, I thought Cater won last week, too. But I think on fights like that, Dave, you know, they're close and they come down to just how you see one round, maybe. And I, I thought Cater did enough to win the fight. I had a three to two for Cater, but I didn't have I tweeted right when the fight ended. I have Cater. Uh, but I think if you have um, uh, if you had Emmett, you still have hope to win this fight. I think it was that kind of a fight. I totally agree, Kevin. And I'm right there with you. I say this all the time here, not only on First Strike, but certainly on social media as well. If it's a split decision, very rarely am I going to go, oh, that was a terrible decision. It's a reason why it was a split decision. It was just that close. So I'm right there with you. It is hard to quantify, but I think you saw that new scoring come into play where Emmett, the judges felt like did a little bit more damage, even though the volume was there for Calvin Cater. To this week's card, when you look at Tarzukian against Gamrod here in the main event, do you think this is another one where potentially with the potential for wrestlers here, that we could go all five, or do you think maybe we don't have to wait for the judges to, to score cards to figure this one out? I think this, you know, to me, this looks like a fight that's going the whole way, right? I mean, both guys are great wrestlers. And generally when you get good wrestlers, you know, you're not going to have, uh, you know, somebody getting knocked out. You know, you, you could get submitted. You could get ground and pounded. But I think when you have two good wrestlers, high-level wrestlers going against each other, you know, you're going to have a lot of back and forth in the fight, and you're going to tend to go to a decision. So I, I like Sarukian to win the fight, but I, I really like this fight will go five full rounds. That's what I see in this, that this is— is going to be a distance fight whoever wins it you know it's so interesting you say that kevin because i think about you know when you had the colby covington against kamaru usman fights and that first fight they had with two decorated wrestlers and we got a great stand-up match until colby's jaw got shut and he had to be stopped in that fifth round is there any scenario where we get a brawl with these two wrestlers because the wrestling maybe stalemates each other yeah, I mean, certainly that, you know, that happens in a lot of fights and we've seen that happen before. So, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. And, and hey, both of these guys also have uh, some submissions as well. So, you know, there there's a ability to do it. But I think that they're going to, you know, they're going to fight conservatively is my the way I look at this fight and where they are at. Uh, really big fight for both guys. Uh, they need this. The division is has uh, really had a lot of um, uh, movement. And so they they need to win this fight, both of them. So I, I think they fight a little bit conservatively. I like it to go the distance myself. And minus 110 if you do like that fight, the go the distance. Let's talk about the co-main event here, Neil, Neil Magny. I, I am. I tugs in my heartstrings. I love rooting for Neil Magny, but it feels like a really tough spot when you're going up against Rachmanov here and that undefeated 15-0 record that he brings in that octagon. Is there a different way that you would attack this fight, or do you think the chalk is the right way to go? Yeah, I, I like Rachmanov here. You know, and the, like Neil Magny is a really tough guy, and he has surprised me time and time and time again uh, with some of the performances he's put on in the, uh, in the octagon. But I look at this and I think he's just really uh, up against it in terms of, you know, physically outmanned, stylistically, it's not in his favor. Um, and, and I think, you know, can Magny win the fight? Hey, he is an elite fighter, Dave. So he, but he would have to fight the perfect fight to win. And I think uh, his opponent, Rachmanov, would have to make some mistakes. So I, I like uh, Rachmanov in this one. And I, I think he 
he'll cruise to a, a nice win. So cruise to victory, do you think then at least it gets extended to go over the total of two and a half rounds to plus 120, where he easily wins it on the cards? Or do you think he might get a sub or KOTKODQ? Uh, I, I, you know, I do think that this has the potential to be a finished fight, but I think, you know, Magny is a tough guy. So if I was going to bet on the finish in this fight, I would look for the late. So I, I would go over uh, on that one. You know, I think if it happens, it's going to be kind of toward the toward the end of the mm-hmm. fight. Um, you know, if, if this was a, uh, a five round fight, maybe we look at it a little bit of a different way. But I think as a three round fight, as durable as Magny is and as smart of a fighter as he is, I think he's going to hang, you know, hang in there and be in the fight. But I, I think there's a chance that Rachmana finishes him uh, kind of going down the stretch. And I know people don't like to play those overs with, with still a finish, but then all you have to do is go back to Yuri Prohoshka. Not that long ago, getting the finish in the final what minute of the fifth round, just something I did not foresee. Ago. It's just absolutely insane. Uh, you look deeper on this card here. You know, when you see a Nurmagomedov on the card, obviously people are going to go, wow, I want to see what Umar is going to do here. Money's come down because it was up as high as minus 1,000. It's still a huge number, minus 950 here uh, against Nate Maness here. Is there any chance that maybe this number is just way too inflated for you? Or again, do you think... This is we're going to see Nurmagomedov doing what the Nurmagomedovs do. Yeah, I like. I think uh, Nate is a really good fighter. Uh, he's fourteen and one, mm-hmm. and you know, in the UFC, um, he has shown that he belongs where he is, and that he's got a pretty good game. Um, that being said, you know, Nurmagomedov is uh, has that last name, and he has that grappling ability. Um, so you know. I, I, I'm not. I'm going to stay off the side here. If I was going to recommend a play, it would be on Nate because you know if you. I think it's what he's plus seven hundred. I, I think is the last yep, I saw. Plus six fifty. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus six fifty. So you know, I think when you look at that number for a fighter as good as Nate, I think it's worth it. But that that being said, you know, I think the submission game of Umar Nurmagomedov is so good that I think he does uh, get the finish in this fight here. So I'll stay off the side, but I I will bet under on that one. Got a couple minutes to go here with Kevin Ioli. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at Kevin I. Uh, Kevin, any other fight on the card? I, I look at Boom Kelleher here, uh, one of the earlier fights of the night against Mario Bautista. And right now, Boom, you can get him at about plus $1.50. Sometimes the guy that's been around the block a little bit might not have a whole lot left in the tank. Do you think this is properly priced? Or do you think Boom still has one more big right hand in him? Kelleher's been struggling. You know, he had a really good 2020 in the first part of 2021. The last couple times out, you know, not as good. And and I wonder if, you know, he's kind of hit a wall at this point. That's a fight I stay away from, though. It's a really hard fight to handicap, like when you look at it. You know, the, the fight that I kind of have an opinion on is the, the Fry-Demopoulos fight. Mm. Um you know, uh, Fry is a veteran. She's been around a long time. Um, but I, th- I think this is a perfect go-the-distance fight, right? Neither one of these women are finishers. Uh, Demopoulos really, um, in her uh, UFC debut last time, looked really good, uh, beat a good opponent uh, and with a solid performance. But she doesn't threaten you in terms of, hey, am I, you know, am I worried about this fight ending? So I think uh, I see minus 200 uh, for, you know, on mm-hmm. the fight going the distance. To me, that's easy to lay. I like that one to go the distance. Although I thought Demopoulos had one of the best post-fight interviews where she hopped into Joe Rogan's arms. It was absolutely hysterical. Joe handled it like a pro. Uh, Kevin, very quickly, as we look ahead to next week, because I'm so intrigued, I know that the the world is intrigued with the trilogy fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. And I'm seeing Holloway, obviously, you can understand why he's the dog, but a solid favorite here that we're seeing with Alex the Great, minus 190. Uh, Just a quick glance ahead 
at that trilogy fight. Normally you don't get trilogy fights where the first guy won the first two. Do you think so far the way it's been priced, is that the right way that you would price it? Yeah, I, I think this is such a tough fight to call, right? I, I thought Volkanovski won the first fight. I thought Holloway won the second fight, right? So I, to me, they're like really close. But I, you know, I look at this fight and I want to watch the fights again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that I'm talking to Volkanovsky later today, uh, so I'll have another, you know, kind of feel for what he's been up to. But when I look at this fight, you know, I think it's going to be there's going to be mistakes is what's going to decide this fight, right? So the numbers got to be tight, you know, because it's just going to hang in the balance on which one makes a mistake. But Volkanovsky has been getting better, right? Uh, and you know, Holloway's been at a high level for a long time. But you're seeing Volkanovsky. What is he now? Twenty three and one, <laughs> and he's won. You know, I think he's won twenty one fights in a row. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it's hard to bet against him. No question, Kevin. And again, you look at it and we always say, hey, Max Holloway might be the best 145 of all time. If he loses three times to Alexander Volkanovsky. What does that make Alex- Alexander that, great? At that point. Uh, right? Uh, Kevin, really enjoy the conversation as always, my friend. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again next week. And come on Appreciate back. Uh, Jordan Sherwood joins the program next on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today. You're going to get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, of course, the UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer we continue first strike with jordan sherwood from chicago of course you can follow jordan on twitter as i do at wood on 1063 
Jordan, it's great to have you back in the program. Uh, you know, of course, off air, I always have to ask how our my old city, the city, the city of Chicago, is in summertime. It's getting hot there, but how about the uh, unnamed podcast? Is it heating up as well? Yeah, it certainly is. I think we just got confirmation that Max Holloway is going to join the podcast next week. Whoa! His big fight against Volkanovski going well. Uh, we had some fight picks that were winners, a part of UFC fighting in Boston, and. Uh, Expect to give out some uh, some more, not only with you, but also uh, on the Unlimited MMA podcast. So appreciate you uh, you giving it a shout out. Absolutely, Jordan. It's great that you can have Max Holloway on there. We cannot wait for that trilogy fight against Alexander Volkanovsky. Of course, it's odd when you have uh, the, the the first guy winning the first two fights very controversially to still have a trilogy. Can't wait for that third fight there. Let's talk about this week's card and maybe some picks that you like here, Jordan. Let me start off with Chris Curtis. This is an interesting angle that you have against Rodolfo Vieira. Uh, the money has come in a little bit on Curtis, as I've seen as the week's gone on, but the under right now at minus $1.50, even though it's juiced, do you think that might be the, the stronger play here? I do. I mean, look, Chris Curtis, I think, probably deserves to be the slight favorite, not as uh, big a favoritism, but it's recency bias. He's 2-0 in the UFC, Two impressive knockouts of two guys that are very talented. Phil Haas, we just saw him win last week. Brendan Allen, he's a, he's an all-action fighter. And Vieira, you know, leaves something to uh, that you want a little bit more. I mean, people are remembering two fights ago when he gassed against Anthony Hernandez and got submitted. And everybody's expecting Vieira to be a whiz on the ground. He certainly has the advantage, not just against Curtis, pretty much anybody in the middleweight division, maybe even in the UFC. That's, got, that's how well-decorated he is from a ground standpoint. I believe he's learned his lesson about handling his cardio because we saw him go three rounds in his last fight, get a submission in the third. And if this fight goes to the ground, Chris Curtis is a fish out of water against a guy like Vieira. However, I'm still not trusting the Vieira stand-up that's evolving. Chris Curtis is powerful. He's athletic. He's all action, as his name uh, says. So that's why I'm playing the under. Playing the under at one and a half. I think we're getting a very quick submission. Vera's not going to waste any time to get this fight to the ground, or he's not going to be able to get it, and then he's going to succumb to one of those Chris Curtis bombs. So that's why I'm leaning as not an official pick either fighter, looking at both scenarios, and I'm going to take the under at one and a half. We're going to get to finish early in that fight. Yeah, I like that. I like that evaluation a lot. Now it's down to minus dollar forty-five here at DraftKings, so maybe a, a better. Uh, version of that number, but I do like the intel there to think that the under one and a half rounds might be the right way to go there. Look, you know me, I, I do, I've cashed a lot of tickets in my day on Neil Magny. He's a big, big underdog, obviously against Rachmanov, and we can understand why the way uh, Shavkat's just come in here to the UFC and it puts that undefeated streak on the line. Do you show some respect for Magny in the way that you're handicapping this fight? And it not, might not be on the side, but rather on the total. Absolutely. I mean, look, Neil Magny has been the top 10 of the welterweight division for years. I think he has the record for welterweight fights. And look, and he's a guy that, that, that does beat a lot of great fighters and only really loses to the best of the best or the best of the best of the time that they're fighting him. And he's also a guy that rarely gets finished. It was 2018, the last time he got finished, that was in the fourth round uh, against Santiago Ponzinibbio in Argentina. Prior to that, in 2017, a first-round finish against RDA. We know how good that guy is. He's a former champion. So even though Rachmanov has 15 fights, 15, uh, 15 finishes, I think eight, eight knockouts, seven submissions, or maybe the numbers are reversed, I think Neil Magny is game enough 
He, he's got the style that'll dirty this fight up, maybe force the clinch a little bit. Then I'm not going to just solely side on Rachmanov because the money line is not worth it. But the over at one and a half, I think Neil Magny is going to be tough enough to, to withstand the early onslaught of Rachmaninoff, maybe get him to the third round, which he's never seen. So you're, you're, I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. Rachmaninoff is going to win this fight, but I think he's going to win it for the first time on the judges' scorecard. So the over at one and a half, and if you need to sprinkle on a little bit of something extra, I think Neil Magny is game enough to avoid those dangerous situations, either on the ground or on the feet, and go to the judges' scorecards. Lose, but go to the judges' scorecards nonetheless. Uh, I am absolutely picking up what you're putting down, and I'm with you on that. And by the way, DraftKings, if you do like uh, that style of fight, because I see it going the same way, that this one could go all the way to the cards. Over two and a half right now, you get plus money here, plus $1.20, if you think Magny can do exactly what I think you and I think he could do, Jordan, and that is extend Rachmanov and really push him for the first time here in his UFC career as he puts that unbeaten streak on the line. When you look at uh, Inchuk Wu against Olberg here, Olberg, Plus a dollar, and Chuck will hear the small favorite at minus a dollar twenty-eight. Very close call here, at least when you look at it from a handicapping perspective. How do you break this one down? Yeah, I, I, maybe it's maybe I, I shouldn't be backing Olberg because he's just looked very lackluster and dull in his fights. But well, here's what I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust he's finally woken up. The, you know, the day-to-day that he's spending with that outstanding cap at City Kickboxing, he's finally going to be able to showcase this stand-up, this knockout power that he possesses. And look, and Jack Wu is a guy that, you know, he was winning a fight and then got caught by a flying knee his last time out. We know he's a pressure fighter. We know he's going to look for some takedowns. If Oberg just stands his ground and utilizes his striking, I think he can get the win. So it's a small play just because I think Oberg has not lived up to his potential yet, and that's why he's handicapped as the slight underdog in this fight, and I think he finally shines in this one. It'll be a fight that he can take advantage of his athleticism, his size, and he gets the win. Jordan, whenever you see uh, Nurmagomedov on the card, people's eyes light up and they go, okay, I got to see uh, how good this version of Nurmagomedov is. Okay, when you look at Uday here, excuse me, Umar, because Umar right now is minus 950 at DraftKings, uh, going up against Nate Maness. Maness taking a little bit of the money I'm seeing so far during the week here. Is there a different way that you'd play it? Because I know you don't want to lay that big a number with Umar and Magomedov at minus 950. Yeah, 100%. You can't win any value. That even stuffing him into a parlay, it's not worth it. So you gotta, you got to hunt. you got to hunt for that value. I hunted on Thursday, and I found him at one book at plus money to win via submission. And that's how he typically wins fights. He's not, he is Nurmagomedov in the sense of grappling control, but unlike his cousin Habib, he hunts for submissions. He looks to him. What, look what he did to Brian Kelleher his last time out. Brian Kelleher is no slouch. So Umar Nurmagomedov via submission, if you could find it particularly at plus money where I did, I think that's perfect because Nate Maddis is going to give him that type of fight, grappling heavy, aggressive, and Umar, once he gets a hold of you, he ain't letting go. He's going to hunt for that submission, so I think he gets the finish inside the distance via submission. There you go, plus a dollar if you want to take that instead of laying almost 950 <laughs> under Magomedov to get that victory. I've got a couple minutes to go here. Uh, with Jordan Sherwood out of Chicago. Let me get to the main event here just to get your thoughts on it when you look at Tarzukian against Gamrot here. And we are seeing Gamrot say, take a little bit of the number uh, since Britton Hess and I had this discussion on First Strike, First Look on Tuesday. 
What do you make of this line move subtly towards the underdog in Gamrot? You know, I, think, I think people are looking at last three fights and, and his last three fights within the octagon. Three finishes, Holtzman, Jeremy Stevens, Carlos Diego Figueroa, you know, better names, like better resume guys than uh, Tversian has had in, in his UFC career. So, quite frankly, I understand the value, uh, but I, I think this is a fantastic fight. It's unfortunate that it's happening now at this point in their careers. It's like that. It's like a matchup in the NCAA tournament, like of two teams you want to go to the Final Four and they play in the first round. Like These guys should be fighting years from now for the title, not now when they're unranked. But that's what we get. I think both guys are obviously on the come-up. I think both wrestling cancels each other out. So who's going to have more advantage in the stand-up game? I think it's Armin. I think he's got more power and a little bit more versatility in that. So I'm siding with him to win the fight. But I think we get a finish. And I think a lot of people think it'll go to the judges' scorecards because of the grappling, because of, uh, of the scrambles that will certainly happen. But I think Armin, his top game is good enough that if he gets it, like he finished Joel Alvarez his last time out, he's going to get that again. So I think the fight doesn't go to the judges' scorecards. A $1.50, $1.45 is going to be my play. Wow. So that under four and a half rounds here at DraftKings, minus $1.05. Very quickly, got about 20 seconds to go. Because you're going to have Max Holloway on, uh, on your program on uh, the Unnamed MMA Podcast, Right now, Volk is about minus $1.90. Max is plus $160. do not give me your pick, but do you think that's properly priced here before we get to that trilogy fight? Yeah, because you look, I think many people thought Max Holloway won the first two fights, and he didn't. So I'm going to ask Max, what are you going to do differently to ensure you get your hand raised? Can't wait to hear his answer. Uh, absolutely. I can't wait for that conversation as well. Jordan, always enjoy it. Thank you very much, my friend. When we come back, Britton Hess, producer extraordinaire, right here in First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Want more betting insights to give you an edge? Well, check out VEASAN's Best Bets podcast. You can listen to the daily sports betting highlights from the entire 24-7 stream of VEASAN experts tracking the line moves, odds, props, wins, losses, bad beats from sportsbooks in Vegas and across the country. Download the VEASAN Best Bets pod now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Back here on First Strike, I am Dave Ross, and what a pleasure to be joined once again by our producer extraordinaire, Britton Hess, back here outside the glass. Rob takes over behind the glass. You take over here in the big chair. Mom loves you on the show. Thinks she gives that great picks. Loves Britton's bombs. I try to play those for dad each and every week. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. So let's get to right off the top here. I want to get to your bomb play of the week. And normally what I think you try to do is find a little bit of value, maybe with a couple fights, possibly put them either in a parlay. But I think this week, you like just a single play as Britain's official bomb, and it involves Tiago Moises. Well, I have the benefit of coming on the show last, so I get to hear all of our experts talk, uh, and Smart. it reinforces my opinions. There you go. So I thought Moises was, a, he's just got a lot more going for him than uh, Christos Gagos, who's been a bit of a journeyman. He's had ups and downs, some decent performances. He's been embarrassed a time or two, been mm-hmm. finished. Uh, he's got nine losses. Six of them have been inside the distance. So I think that taking Moises from minus 250, 255 to plus 140 to win inside the distance is a good spot. Moises is one of those guys that does finish with both his feet and he get, or his hands, his feet. He can finish on the ground. He's got a diverse skill set that uh, you know that I don't know if Gagos is going to be ready to deal with this weekend. So again, so you think if it's inside the distance here, win by finish plus a dollar forty for Moises there, that's the better value. That is officially Britain's bomb of the week. Do you handicap the age too? Because look, I try not to discriminate against age as an old guy myself, but sometimes it is glaring. When you get a guy like Moises right now, 27, feels like he's just starting to come into the prime of his career. I kind of like where your head's at in this one. Well, uh, the age thing is kind of double-edged sword because people will be like, oh man, this guy is 23 and 14 and 0, and he's coming from Alaska FC to fight against a 18 and 6 journeyman. Right. You know what I mean? And then these get destroyed. Um, so this, in this instance though, I mean, look at the guys that Moises has fought, you know, he hasn't beat all these guys, but he's beat, he's fought Joel Alvarez. He's fought Islam Makachev. He's fought Alexander Hernandez, Bobby Green. You know, he's been with like real fighters in there. Um, and you know, he hasn't, he's, he's not won every fight, but he's not necessarily been an embarrassment (laughs) to the sport. And at age 26, when he was younger, when he was actually having these fights, Mm -hmm. it's impressive. Um, you know, so he's got a lot of experience under his belt for his young age. Uh, and I think that it will work in his favor in this instance because, like I said, Gagos has been submitted. He's been KO'd. You know, his body has had wear and tear on it. Yeah, and I lost six inside the decisions here. So I, I like where your head's at here with Moises of plus forty as officially Britain's bomb of the week. Uh, it, it's funny you say that, though, about the show because I'm right there with you. I have my leans and, and my likes, and then I do. And this is why we bring you First Strike. And certainly you and I talked about this First Strike first look on Tuesday. You try to look ahead of the numbers, and you said then – on Tuesday in the show, that if you like Gamrot, you might want to get him earlier in the week than later against Tarzukian here in the main event. And there is a small amount of money right now that's moving it slightly to a smaller number for Gamrot here, but still you can get him over at $2. You think by fight time tomorrow, this could be closer to $2 and not 2 30 that you're seeing here at DraftKings? Yeah, well, so, I mean, also, too, I'm looking at the live lines. DraftKings looks like it did take a little bit of money recently, and he's back out to plus 235, but... I feel like once people watch the show, they see that Reed loves that pick. You yep. know, I feel like he moves the lines every week. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I still stand by what I said Tuesday, that it's going to be closer to or he'll be under $2 by tomorrow because, you know, a lot of books, people might not know this, a lot of books in town in Vegas, the amount of money you can wager on fight night or fight night is much bigger than you can before. Mm-hmm. Um, so if 
sharp betters like him, which I hope I'm on their side, um, they'll be laying, they'll be making those bets. And as Nick Leakes used to tell us, they'll be doing it up to five minutes before the fight. Um, again, I could be wrong. You know, maybe I'm totally misreading this. Maybe Sarukian is as good as he's advertised. I mean, I'm not saying he's bad. I just think that Gamrot's better than people realize. So it's it's just an instance where the numbers off in my mind. Yeah, and we are at Circus Sportsbook, and the numbers you see directly behind us are the numbers set by Nick Leakes here. Uh, here at Circuit Sportsbook, and right now, 225. But uh, at right now, if you do like the dog here, DraftKings is going to give you a slightly better number right now on Gamrot. So we always tell you, too, shop around, depending on which side you like here, to try to get the best of that number. That's also very important in the handicapping. Uh, I've talked about it a lot on the show. I'm going to talk about it with you now. When you look at Rachmanov, we can understand why he's the big favorite here, over $4 betting favorite against Neil Magny, one of my favorite fighters to watch in the UFC because I always find myself rooting for what I think is the undervalued fighter, but I did think was a very interesting point uh, made by Kevin Ioli early in the program here, that maybe now Magny has gotten the respect of the betting market. So when you put that in and still see him at plus 330, is that telling us everything we kind of need to know? Uh, I Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, people are really familiar with him. I think people, you know, if you're a fan of the sport, you're really familiar with Rachmanov because like I said he's most electric, or on Tuesday I said he's one of the most electric guys in the whole organization. I mean, I love watching him fight. 15 wins, 15 finishes. You can't beat that. Mm-mm. I just think that, you know, we went through his, the Hall of Famers that Magny's beat. I don't think that Magny cares about what Rachmanov might do in his future. He cares about Saturday. Um, you know what I mean? And if you don't want to take the big plus money, if you're afraid, you know what, you don't want to go against the grain so much, I think that what... Jordan said, and I think someone else said, um, you know, that going with the over is a good place to go in this fight. Because, again, Magny's just not an easy out. Even no. when he gets finished, it's not usually going to be, like, first round, first two rounds. You know what I mean? It, he, he goes to war. He's not easy to get out, and I think he feels disrespected. I saw some interviews he did during the week. You know, the quote he said is, there's levels to this game, and that's kind of the foundation of how I handicap MMA. You know, right there with you, and again, the over right now, two and a half rounds, plus 120. What's interesting is is that both of our experts could technically be correct that had opinions on this. Now, uh, Reed's numbers showed that the under, that there would be a finish in this fight. Jordan Sherwood, who we had on earlier, likes the over, but he likes it one, one and a half at minus $1.77. So technically, there is a path to both of those predictions being correct. And I'm, I'm kind of right there in the middle, too. I do think Magny could take this to the third round, and it doesn't mean we might not get a stoppage in said third round. There is a possibility. No, I mean, I, I, if, if they were like, hey, take one of these picks, one or the other, I would say, no, I'd split my bet on both of them because I think that there's both, they're both very viable. Like I said, I have enough respect for Magni to not think he's going to go out early. Yep. I have enough respect for Sh- uh, Rachmanov's finishing ability um, to actually get it done afterwards I'm down. But at the same time, um, I'm not going to rule out a finish by Magni because, as Kevin pointed out, the Rachmanov hasn't seen the third round in the UFC. No. We don't know if he has a gas tank. You know, Magny is not a crazy finisher these days, but if a guy is, you know, runs out of gas, you know, it's a lot easier to finish him in that instance. So, um, you know, I think it will, Rachmanov's going to try to push the pace. So it's going to be defense for Magny first, uh, and then we'll see where we get from there. And I know most people out there are going to go, well, wait a minute, why would you try to thread the needle here? Well, again, just look at what happened uh, in the title fight a couple weeks ago where Yuri Prohoshka gets a stoppage in the last 30 seconds of the fifth and final round. So if you play the over, you won that, but if you played inside the distance, you also won that. So there is a possibility that that could happen. Well, and think about how, how can both those bets lose, right? How do, if it goes, or I mean, like how does both those bets lose? Right. right. You, so you're either going to push 
or you're going to win both, right? That, that gives you a small kind of play the middle there. Unless, I mean, yeah, because if you finish in the first round, cool, right. you're inside the distance one. There you, you know? go. So there are possibilities there and different ways to approach that fight. I know you like Chris Curtis uh, in his matchup here. And right now you like him, though, not just to win. And he's taken a little bit of the money uh, so far this week. But you like him by KO. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, like, you know, he's a guy who's had ups and downs as a professional fighter. You know, he's 34 now. He took a while to get to the UFC. Uh, but he's been knocking dudes out that are great fighters in this organization. And mm-hmm. Rodolfo Vieira... Every time I've seen him fight, he's taken so much damage. He goes for a prayer to get up somebody on the ground. You can't eat two punches to get some to get a takedown from Chris Curtis. No. I think Chris Curtis knocks him out. Um, yeah, it's 105 at DraftKings right now. You can probably find maybe a plus 105 somewhere around the market if you're really interested in it. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think Vieira is a one-trick pony. He's the best. You know, I mean, it's like he's the, his one trick, and he's the best in the world at it. So. You know, I give him credit. If he gets Curtis to the ground, yeah, it's over. I just don't think it gets there. I think Curtis has enough experience and has been with enough grapplers to play good defense. Okay, there's a segment that I used to do in an old show called Die on That Hill. Mm -hmm. You have a fighter that you want to die on the hill for here in the final minute that I have with my producer, Britton Hess. And if I'm not mistaken, you're going to fade Umar Nurmagomedov at minus 950. I just can't respect that number. I mean, it's like, because they're treating it like it's, you know, I don't know, like a, a, a single A pitcher is going to be, you know, pitching against the New York Yankees in this fight. The, these odds are crazy. Um, I think Numar Gamedov is good, you know, but let's think about another Dagestani fighter okay. uh, named Islam Makachev, yeah. right? He was supposed to be the next Khabib. That's right. Oh, wait, he got KO'd in one of his <laughs> early UFC fights. It's still early in Numar Gamedov's career. I think Man S is, you know, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy, kind of guy who's going to be sad and be like, oh, man, I'm going to get killed by this guy this weekend. I think he's probably getting very angry and getting ready for this fight. Maybe it'll work against him. But plus 650, I mean, it's worth a flyer to me. I would never put this in a parlay. No, and, but like, I would is, never parlay Nurmagomedov. He's got to keep yeah. the fight standing have any chance, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but maybe not. I mean, that's the thing. He's, new, he's an aggressive submission ra- grappler, right? And when you're aggressive with submissions, you also leave yourself to being open to being submitted. This is why we have written on the show, people. Britain's bombs. Great stuff as always, Britain. Appreciate the time as always. Does a great job both inside the glass and outside. I want to thank Reed Kuhn, Kevin Ioli, Jordan Sherwood, and of course, Britain has for joining us here. Enjoy the fights, everybody. We'll see you next week on First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.